Hello, everyone. Ooh, okay. Well, that's cool. Welcome to the. I bet that's better. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Welcome to the final. Wait, that's wrong. Fifth <laughs> episode. Whoa, whoa, what, what, what I missed? No. Of HSBG podcast. I'm your host, Collins, with my co-host uh, for today, and you know, probably the next day, and all the other days. <laughs> Shady I'm generous. Hi, guys. <laughs> anything interesting so um it's been a been a week since we last saw you you know had a had a nice good time probably move on to the first thing i want to talk about today uh just um just want to say we got a new email hsbg podcast we mentioned in the last at the end of the last um podcast but i wanted to mention it earlier just you know so if you got any questions any feedback just send it to there uh make sure maybe we'll pull some of your questions up read it uh, you know, on the next episode. So, you know, just something I want you guys to keep in mind. Got a new part, uh, new email for you guys. So just check that out. Uh, next thing is just the weekly overview, just for uh, those, you know, how we've been doing, how we've been playing. I've been playing a little bit generally. I've, we were talking about this before we started, just, you know, I've been winning and not caring. <laughs> You've been kind of having, you know, an opportunity said, Wait, not necessarily losing, but you know, you're not, not too. Yeah, uh, I, I climbed to like thirteen and a half quite easily, right. where I was just comfortable doing my thing. But then I started just playing more and experimenting, and now I'm more just you know going between, let's say, twelve point seven and thirteen point something. We're just going up and down and up and down and up and down instead of just climbing. Yeah, I, I think this tends to happen a lot when. Um, they don't change the meta for a long time, right? Where you, you finally, you get there and then you're kind of just like, okay, I kind of understand things. There's nothing fancy to do. Let me just refine the small things, right? So you're like, okay, I do, I'm doing da 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 da, but what about this small thing I could have changed to improve my odds, things like that. And, and at least for me, that tends to happen a lot. Um, uh, right before patch and stuff like that, I start messing around with things, trying to see, oh, what if I try this strategy that I haven't thought about, right? Because you're so comfortable with the meta that you're like, ah, oh, maybe I can get away with it. Maybe I can, you know, learn something different. Maybe I can invent a new strategy and then just like, you know, take it, take it, take it home and start uh, blowing people out. So uh, it's kind of been a while since they had a, a big patch, right? They usually make changes with the expansion, but they haven't added the new uh, minion type so far. So we're, it's been kind of an extended period of time since they have had a big, big change. Um, so, you know, I'm wondering, theoretically, right, the change should happen soon, but right now we're kind of just waiting for it. Yeah, so there was a tweet uh, from Ixar that he um, structured their content schedule. I'm not sure if you caught this one. Should have told or, me I would have put it as a topic, you know. Oh uh, well, XY. <laughs> I assumed you were. Well, I mean, in in good Blizzard fashion, it's you know, no no specific date, no like really elaborate thing. But it seems to be like a four month cycle where it's first an expansion launch where there's a small BG hero update. Then after a month, there is a major Battlegrounds update. So I'm assuming that roughly one month after Sarfang was introduced, which is or the expansion launch, I suppose, right. plus one month, uh, they're planning to do a major Battlegrounds update. Now, you know, don't quote me on that. You can look at that on XR's Twitter. That's at XR's, XRHS. 
And then uh, a month after that, there is an expansion mini set with another small BG hero update. And then another month after that, there is a pre-order for the next expansion where they do a BG balance update slash shake up. So that seems to be their formula where every month something happens. And you know, All sometimes right. it's bigger than uh, the other ones. That's good. Well, at least we know they have something in the works, right? And they've already revealed yeah, a little bit of way. it. So, yeah. And it shouldn't take very long. Tian, and you I know, it's coming. That, yeah, <laughs> and I assume with the big patch, it also comes the uh, MMR reset. Once again, that's you know vague, implied. Uh, you have to pick it apart from his replies when people are asking, oh, what about this? What about that? So it seems to be vaguely implied that there's an MMR reset as well with the big expansion. OK. I'm I'm waiting for that to be honest, like personally. Ah, that's gonna be fun, man. Just <laughs> day one, just go, 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 go. Day two, wake up after a couple hours sleep. Go, 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 go. Yeah, so it's fun. it's always very intense, right? After an MMR reset, because people want their rating back. They want to be like, I'm number one right now. Hey, that's me. <laughs> yeah, and go to bed. Like, Gotta keep playing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's always fun, but yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. It should be soon. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have a, quite a bit to talk about once they have those changes and whatnot. But we can go straight into the the next topic, right? We'll talk about the, you know, particular card. I think this is a pretty interesting one. Uh, has a lot of uh, opinions on it. You know, it's none other than the faceless tavern goer. You know, I, I, I was, th you know, I was thinking about what, what card I want to talk about this week. And, and really, face is one that really strikes uh it strikes out to me as a unique card, a card that doesn't really have any other card that does what it does, right? You 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 take it, and then you're like, your plan when you take it is like, I'm not playing it. I'm just gonna hold it. That's my plan with this card. I'm just gonna you know waste three gold here, you know, because I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I can find particularly what I'm looking for, right? Maybe I hit a brand or or whatever, and just get that early triple, and. It's also a card that, um, since it's been introduced, you've seen a lot of crazy turns, right? Where one turn someone will have like a pretty weak board, and the next turn they have like a full board of nuts, and you're like, how do they do that, right? A lot of times, Faceless Tavern Girl has a part to play, right? Maybe it's not the, it's not like the full factor, but it can a lot of times be a key factor where you have this in your hand, you're playing something random, and then. Bam, you see like two, uh, two, two copies of a card and you're like, oh, I can make an instant triple, right? You hit like a, a hogger or something, right? And you're just like, oh, that's a golden hogger right there. And it costs like, you know, four gold or something <laughs> to do it. So it, 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 can, it can be super nutty uh, where you can just do some really crazy turns. And a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of the players that you watch, right? value this card really highly just because of the potential upside, right? Uh, when people are looking at cards, right, they're looking at what are the upside, what are the downside, right? This is one of the cards where the upside is really, really, really high because um, not only is it, it's, it's, it's a very flexible card in, in its unflexibility where you have, to, you have to get a triple to make it. Well, you don't even have to get a triple, right? Like you can get two pairs of something and that can be good enough, right? Two pair hogger is good enough, right? Like where um, sometimes you have two pairs of something and it's it, it's not good, right? Like you have two two brands, two barons, right? They don't do anything, right? Two, two faceless can make two pairs of useful cards, right? Two rags, that, that scales really well, right? Two, 
to you know senseis i don't know if she should target sensei oh well, actually that's not that's not that bad but <laughs> two senses you know it's gonna work it, it, it can work and things like that where um you can really uh use a utilize this card for a lot of different plays that you can't really do if you have two pairs of of uh you know a selamental right like oh yeah it's great if you triple it but there's no flexibility in it, in it in having a pair of that where with faces you can really really pop off so there's a lot to talk about this card i think you can really um have like a full like long a long long discussion of how to utilize this card correctly when to take it things like that but uh that's just my initial thoughts i'll probably have more of a you know i've been talking for a while so shady what do you got? no it's fine it's fine it's fine i think when you take it is generally when it appears in the shop i think that's a good rule of thumb you know take take it whenever you see it <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think that if if you would look at high MMR players percentage wise of when a card appears in the shop, this has to be you know if not the top one of the top cards purchased, right? When do you you know it, it is when you are incredibly pressured? Oh my god, I need to hit! I need to get strong! I need to have an amazing turn right now, and I don't have a lot of gold left. Then it's when it's usually mm, probably can't take the faces. But pretty much at any other time, when you see a faces appear in your shop, you're just, oh, yoink, let me take that. Because at the very, very worst, it's a pair of something that you can just cash in or you can just throw it on any good minion you see in the shop and make a pair. Now, if you don't see any good minion at any point, well, then you probably weren't going to do anything anyway. <laughs> you know, so the argument of, oh, you might not be able to use it is like, well, let's be real here. If you if you don't find anything, you know, you want to have two copies of, then you probably weren't going to have a very good turn anyway. But yeah, if, if you're under pressure and you don't have a lot of gold left in the turn, that's probably where you want to consider skipping faces. But for the rest, this card is just insane, right? It's super strong. And um, I the card wasn't in when I last played. Uh, so when I came back to the game and, you know, really, really, I've been going hard for a few months now so i'm quite comfortable with the game it's, yeah it's just increased the power level like crazy it just happens so much easier that someone has a golden brand because golden brand is one of those cards where it's it's difficult because you have to justify holding a brand in your hands for a while and faces just means oh i have a brand on the board there's a faces in the shop i also have a light fang on the board if i hit either of them it's it's insane or i can do the double hogger thing or I can have this, oh, I have this Murazant on the board. Oh, there's a Murazant on the shop. Bam, golden Murazant. And this just go off. So there's so many possibilities for this card to be so strong that it's extremely rare that you don't want to pick it up. Yeah. I, I, that reminds me, I had a game recently where three players had golden brand. And I was, all, I was looking for a golden brand myself. I had a brand. And then I fought three players, you know, over the course of like four turns. Three of them had a golden brand i'm just like faceless <laughs> you know you know it's that's what it's going that's what's going on right faceless is really cashing and making people have a, a lot of um very powerful plays right i i did notice there was a distinct like power level increase when this card was introduced um than before when this card wasn't around right like uh it was pretty evident that people were getting a lot more triples a lot and it's not that they were getting a lot more triples they were getting more powerful triples tavern five tavern six triples where normally uh you see someone with a golden rag and they're like wow they got so lucky i can't believe that you know they're really 
you know, hit the nuts, found three rags, right? Now it's like, ah, they found two rags and another rag. Or they had two facelesses and they targeted rag, you know, all the, you know, four times in a row. So yeah, now they have like five rags. Okay, well, I mean, I see it now. It where where before this card is introduced, that would be out of you know, you you were so lucky. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Now it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. You you found some facelesses. Good for you. Huh? You know, oh, can we do a quick audio check? I, I hear that there might be some music. Oh, still. the music's still playing. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Thanks for fixing that. Yeah, I can, I can, um, I can, damn, more work for me. I can, I can remove it. <laughs> Oh, this I, is recorded live. Hey guys, I can <laughs> remove this in post production, so it's it's not an issue. But professionals. All right, <sighs> Last time it. I had to do the same thing where I had to raise my volume. Now I got to do all this extra work. Oh, it's okay. Whatever. Let's move on. Thanks. Thanks for telling us, guys. But anything else you want to talk about this card? Um, well, the the thing you also mentioned where if you just buy two of them, you just imagine that anything i see in the shop can be golden that just that alone is such a powerful feeling when you have two faces and you're like haha i could make anything i see golden right like one of the the nuts cards i think golden merzon didn't used to happen like very often and now you just you don't see it all the time but you see it a lot more where somebody has this insane board you're like how did this happen oh golden merzon with a brand and it just yeah. printed a bunch of gold cards and, and faces has a big, big hand in that. It's also just like Golden Eliza, or if you're playing, like, um, oh, a great example. When you casted my Beast game in the tournament, two of those five pirates were faceless, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I believe one, I believe one turn, I, I, I had two faces or something. It's like, ooh, Golden Parrot, bam. <laughs> just, you know, suddenly, ooh. It's just very strong. So, unless you're really close to, being eliminated from the game it's just it's an exceptionally good buy yeah I, I think one of like the only you know if if you were to mention like some drawbacks of this card right one of the only drawbacks you would have is well i, I would say there, there are two main ones is if you have pairs already and you only need a golden you don't need like four copies right so let's say you have two That's brands true. right getting a faces right it doesn't help you right so if if the only golden thing you you're looking for, right, let's say you're playing Murlocs and you have two brands already, you see those faceless, right? Like if you golden, you know you're you're a tide hunter, like it doesn't it doesn't really do anything for you. Are you really gonna spend three gold instead of rolling, right? So that's another that's one thing, right? If you already you know exactly what goldens you have and you already have a pair of them, then it doesn't really help you. And the other thing is with battle cries, right? It doesn't trigger the battle cry, right? So let's say you're playing, you have a like a battle master, right? You have a copy of a battle master, you have a and you want a faceless, right? If you target that faceless in the shop, right, you're not gonna get that battle master value for the one you target, right? Obviously, golden version of a battle master is significantly better. So you're still gonna do it because you you know the the value of a golden battle master outweighs losing the value of one one of those battle cry triggers. But it is something you want to take a look at, especially when you um let's say you have two facelesses right and you're targeting a, a battle cry minion right you're losing two two battle cry targets and that can really um weaken the potential of, of uh of the pop off right like 
if if you have a brand and Murlocs and you 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 see a lookout in the shop, right? Instead of getting like if you had the organic three lookouts, right? You're getting you know like eight eight Murlocs <laughs> that turn, right? Instead, you know, so that's half the value just gone. Uh, it's just and, winning harder though at that point like if you're hitting golden lookout if you're hitting yeah you got the game lockdown, <laughs> i'm just giving uh, a premium example but there there are definitely things with like mugs and stuff or, or jugs yeah that, no. uh, you really want it that actually like, especially early when you do that if you, even though it's still good right because you're still getting the golden mug especially of your brand that's a good point you make where you do want to ask yourself, is there anything I want to triple? And if there is, do I already have a pair, right? Because sometimes there are such, such specific things you're looking for that you would just say, mm, this face serves no purpose. Or you already have one faces and then the second face that so you're looking at it, huh, the only thing I really want to triple is this one card I have on the board and I already have my faces. So if I see the other card, I don't need two faces for that. So <laughs> it's more earlier on when you're still trying to really figure out what you're doing, fleshing out the comp. That's when you'll pretty much take it, no questions asked. But if you have a fleshed out comp already, you know what you're doing and you know what you want, then yeah, you might just look at the faces and say, mm, this doesn't really do anything. That's true. Something I've done is I had like a Baron on the board and I had a Baron in my hand. I saw faces in the shop. What I did is I bought the face and I sold the pair of the Baron that I had in my hand because I thought the chance of getting like another Baron in the shop is higher than the chance of me like finding the an, an extra baron without the baron I sold back, and I could just use the faces as a replacement of the baron. I was just like, ah, I'm increasing my odds uh, to hit get that golden triple, and that's that's like, I wouldn't say do that every game or like it's just like it's an interesting thought process if you've done the math and stuff. Oh, you're, like that. you're minusing two gold, right? So yeah, I mean, the, two the, rolls. The I'm faces sure. wasn't only for baron. But I was like, ah, you know, well, it was really because I saw this. I Let's, Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it was, but you know, that that was that was my thought process, anyways. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think it's a good card, definitely one you want to be picking up and utilizing, especially if you don't utilize this card a lot. Right? I think you're missing out a lot of the um, the yep. swing turns, especially in high level lobbies of people like making a board out of nowhere from nothing that it doesn't look like they have a chance to be you and then you fight them like three turns later and their board is nuts right and they have like a golden minion or something right a lot of times they're utilizing faceless they like when you fought them last time they had the faces in their hand or something and they were just looking for that turn to spike and then they did so um i do think it is a card you want to utilize and it's a fun card strong card card that increased the strength of average tavern since it's been introduced but I don't think it's a bad thing, uh, right? We haven't really talked about do we think it's like wrong or bad for the game that it exists, right? Cause it's just different, right? It, it just moves the average power level yeah, up, as you said. Yeah, it moves the needle. The, the same thing was introduced in Auto Chess when they introduced uh, that, that Joker card. Suddenly you would hit right. Golden Kunkka, right? You know, this yeah, is yeah. just a different game. And consider it, you know, like, oh, I get my Golden Brand a lot easier. It's the same thing there. You just see, you see stuff a lot more often than you didn't see before. And and I guess maybe a good last point that I almost forgot is with Jandis, right. when you have a pair, you can buy the faces 
swap one of your pairs in the shop, copy it with the faces, buy the pair back, which is now a triple. So yeah. So so basically, you can get golden brand. Let me translate. With Jandis, with one. <laughs> well, sometimes what you also do is let's let's say you're playing Jandis and you have the setup where you go for two five drops. You will pull, let's say, a Nomi face. The turn after that, you can put the Nomi down, swap it in the shop, copy it, buy the Nomi back. Oop, we got two Nomis all of a sudden. So it's another fun little thing you can do with Janus. If you're going for two five drops, you can just take whichever engine you want, the Light Fang. Or I guess it's Light Fang, Nomi, or Hogger, I suppose. Those three you can swap in and then copy. If And then you have two of them, which is, you know, two Hoggers much better than one Hogger. Two Nomi's much better than one Nomi, and obviously two Light Fang's much better than one Light Fang. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of interesting strategies. I think Janus does have the most fun with this card since uh, you can really just abuse swapping uh, with the faceless to get whatever card you want. But generally, even if you're not playing Janus, still a very good card, very powerful. So I I thought we want to talk about it. All right, next uh, next topic up. Uh, next here we shall be talking about is George. I don't think I've put George in, right? I, I, like, just, just con confirm, right? I, this isn't like the second time we're talking about this here. <laughs> That'll happen at some point. Right? Yeah, yeah, at some point, I'm going to be like, ah, we haven't talked about this here. And then we start talking about it. I'm like, this sounds this very familiar. Familiar, yeah. All these points I raised before. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to talk about George uh, just because I, I think it's a, it's a hero that's been through, that's been through a lot, you know? This, this has been. Yeah. This is a hero that's gone on a journey, you know, in Battlegrounds. You know, started out four mana. Four mana to to add a divine shield. Did you I mean, do you remember that chat? <laughs> four right. mana to add a divine shield. It 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 was rough going for this hero. And also, um what's that what's that hero that deals one to everything? It got removed, didn't it? I never Deathwing. It was Deathwing? No, 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 that wasn't no, Deathwing. No, 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 no. No, sorry. It's the other dragon, Nefarian. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I had, yeah, the switch. Sorry, yeah. not all dragons. Nefarian, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that hero, right? You were playing George and you were just like, why? Nefarian used to be the nuts, too, at the very beginning. Uh, really, really strong. So you're playing George. It costs four to get a divine shield. And then this Nefarian guy just comes in one mana blows all of your value let's say you spend like 16 mana a turn and a half getting half of your board divine shield the fairy one mana like oh it's gone <laughs> like, deal with this and you're just crying and you're just like why and and it sucked because the fairy was so popular so you'd see him in every game so you couldn't get away you're playing george just to just to suffer you know why am i here just to suffer i I I counter myself with the one of the best heroes in the game. Why do I, you know, why why do you play this? So he wasn't he wasn't particularly happy. So a lot of people didn't really like George, didn't really want to want to play George for good reason, right? Then, um, you know, the the developers, you know, they were like, oh, you know, George is struggling, you know, oh, you know, let's give him a little buff, get him down at three. Even even then at three, it still it still was a little bit rough. I thought it was be I thought it'd be a little bit better, um, especially since at that point Neferen wasn't as prominent as it as it was last uh, uh, initially. So um, it was a lot easier for for George to have a decent game at times, right? It wasn't like consistent in that um, 
if you picked George, you're going to do well. But if you did do well, right, if you had a good start and you were able to get a comp that worked for it, right, even with three mana, you were able to get a couple of Divine Shields, and that, that would have been good enough, especially um, there wasn't the 1-3, I think, at the time um, to directly counter uh, George immediately. So... Oh, uh, the goal. Yeah, there was no goal. So you were able to feel relatively safe, like, okay, I can get some divide shield, get some value there, and do swell. But the issue was it still costs quite a bit. So you had you couldn't get divine shields early. And then you had to like stabilize without a hero power. And then if you got there, then you had you had some value. So it was a little bit risky, right? Those I don't particularly like those type of heroes where you have no ability until uh, like late in the game and then oh you have something right like it can like unless the 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 hero power when it triggers is really really strong uh right cat sometimes can be really really game-changingly strong ragnaros is the, uh, the most popular one in terms of how effective it can be when it triggers so um those type of heroes right i they can struggle right because you're fighting heroes that have hero powers while you don't have a hero power until the late game so um, a lot there will be a couple of games where you just don't get to use your power and all and that was what housing with georgia three but he was still struggling dev still felt sorry for him you know he was trying to get up you know george was like getting getting attacked left and right he was still fighting you know the the gods from above saw his uh his uh, his persistent and gave him another buff hey double buff you know have you ever do that you're like the chosen one and then they come and like here's another buff <laughs> <laughs> and they buffed him again, dropping it down at two. And I think two has been the significant um, breakpoint for him, where you can actually use it early without it it hurting you too much, right? You can use it on turn three and not be like oh, I'm throwing the game mentality, where it's like, well, I, yeah. I you know, I, I I'm wasting Sometimes my power on a on a tier two or a tier one minion. Where, so so I I, yeah, I, I yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, okay, so I, I think it's um. It's he's needed these buffs in, in terms of like he's at two and it's not like he's the best hero in the game now right but he's a hero that you can play and there are cons that work for him really well and you can you can pick him up and you could be like ah, i haven't lost a game right uh, there, there's been some times in the past before these buffs where i pick him up you know and i'm like ah whatever and i just like feel like defeated already here i pick him up and i'm like okay i can maybe do something with him especially if murlocs in the shop right divine shield poison murlocs taunt comp with um arms and stuff there there are a couple compositions that really do well with him so i think he's in a much better spot right now and you can see a lot of people are picking him up in the tournament um before and just utilizing him getting stable win rate he doesn't always win because there are counters right they added ghouls so um if you're paying attention you know you're fighting a george you're fighting someone with a lot of divine shields you can play a card to just counter all of his value immediately and that that kind of hurts him in the final matches but a lot of times in the in the mid to early to mid game, right? People aren't picking up George. I mean, picking up goals early. They're like, I'm gonna counter this George. He's gonna feel it. That's <laughs> you know, it's turn five. <laughs> yeah, like people don't necessarily do that because it, it it can really hurt you if, if um, things don't work out. So um, he he works uh, pretty well early to mid, uh, and and especially in the in the late game, if people don't don't find a goal or don't buy a goal. So I, I think he's in a good spot now, personally. Yeah, with George, I um, it feels incredibly stable just because you um, you have that option to poison scam, as you mentioned, where you just have Murlocs that you can give them poisonous and divine shield, and we know from experience that's quite a good combination. 
but the uh, the thing that really really consistent in this meta is arm of the <clears throat> excuse me arm of the empire is just so good that you will just take a taunt and you will preemptively shield it and then just assume you hit an arm at some point and then you have you know two or three divine shield taunts already and then you just start cashing in also the um champion of yashiraj works exceptionally well with george because your taunt will have divine shield already so they're sturdy they can survive at minimum two hits and yeah, it just it's so good. You also have the three six dragon. I don't exactly remember what it's called, but it's uh, gives you plus two plus two every time. Dragon enforcer or something. Enforcer, sure. Yeah. So usually the formula I like to go for is I like to get my my heavy hitters, my taunts that are being buffed by the arm, but then that alone is quite a fragile composition where. As soon as you have someone that has, um, let's say, some death rattles, like a coiler that's going to deal with the shield and then deal with the body, you have someone that has bombs to deal with your shields, um, even you know scallywags that are popping your shields off, uh, you feel very vulnerable. So that's where you have either the champion of Yashiraj in the back, which is going to be your 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 cleaner, your bouncer, whatever you want to call it, where First, you have the very high attack Divine Shield minions because they've been getting buffed by Arm of the Empire. They're going to deal with the big creatures that are on the board, so the big taunts, the Amalgadon, the, the whatever they have. And then afterwards, where normally you would lose because they have just more hits than you have shields for and as much attack as your taunts have, they're going to have their base health most of the time. So this can be 2 health or 5 health or maybe 8 health if you get a Siege Breaker. Um, but that's not going to cut it to clean up those death rattle effects, say the coiler, or if you know your shields are removed with bomb. But then if you have that big minion in the back, which is either going to be that enforcer that has grown a ton because of all the shields that have been removed, or the champion of Yashiraj, which will be the preferred minion, but you don't always get it, you get to clean up the small stuff afterwards. So that's a really, really uh, good strategy, a very consistent strategy. Um, if you're doing really well, you can even counter the opponent's ghoul by collecting a golden selfless and then either finding a baron or a parrot. I've done this quite a bit on the George games where I go number one, where you just assume they're going to ghoul you, especially if you don't have any um, leeway. If you, you can only take one loss and you don't know if they found a ghoul. A lot of the time, I will just put my selfless in the second position, even though my entire board is divine shielded just because I don't want to run the risk that they do have a ghoul and I lose shields on everything, and then my selfless is all the way you know, in the middle or whatnot because I wanted to get more value. Because um, a lot of the time, if you're George and you're in the finals and your minions you don't have a ghoul, well, you're probably going to win anyway. So then you just put the selfless in the second spot, even though you have a Baron that will you know, give four divine shields. Um, it won't be a waste. Same thing with the Parrot. You can just put the Parrot in the second position. Uh, immediately re-divine shielding as your opponent uh, blows off the shields with the ghoul. And, and it hurts them too because they can't have divine shield and divine shield is just a very good part of endgame compositions. Just blocking the first attack is very useful. Yeah, that's... 
you you tend to give detailed step by steps with uh with your with your advice and i love it <laughs> i'm technical man that's what i like that's what i love I, i'm just I like giving you like hard general hard. stuff and you're like okay so turn one you gotta do this turn three you gotta do this yeah turn five do this and you're turn, good to go turn, turn three you have your acolytes you're no you're no, uh, like all jokes aside, a, a fun a fun uh, setup I like to do, and something that carries really hard, is uh, if you have acolyte and micro mummy in the same shop as George. I just love freezing it. I love just buying the acolyte, and then uh, a four gold you level five gold. I just buy the mummy. I shield the acolyte. I play the mummy, and now you have a three two divine shield taunt that is already good enough to win certain rounds. Not against people that have. You know, great hero powers. Uh, you know, let's say you have a yog or whatnot that's been buffing the board. You might you might lose, but that's a really good setup. And that mummy is just going to keep buffing every turn. And the chance that it hits the uh, divine shield taunt again is not that low. If you add two more minions, it's a one in three. That's not impossible. And over the course of the next turns, it, it might hit another buff or two. So that's that's super viable. And it might not seem it might seem like you're throwing because you're freezing for two one drops instead of getting two drops, but they're just strong. A three-two divine shield, reborn taunt, and then a micro mummy. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it. Um, it's almost like you're creating like a mini arm in a sense, right? You're yeah. you're creating something that buffs your taunt minion. Uh, hopefully next turn as well, right? But it, it, I see the the value in that, right? In that you're using the divine shield and you're using it for. Uh, a minion that you might keep for the long run, or if you find the yeah. arm, then that that the uh, acolyte becomes extremely valuable. So just stays the whole game if yeah. you find an arm. Yeah, so uh, makes a lot of sense, right? It's a weird thought because you're freezing for uh, you know ones and twos, right? But if you don't start with a token, you don't start with, uh, you start with like a uh, an acolyte or something, right? And and you have the you have the divine shield, right? May as well use it. Micro uh, micro mummies decent you know there are you know better hits but it's it's a decent start so uh something you want to do especially if you just roll into it organically on turn three right then those that's pretty pretty simple so uh it it, it is um there are a lot of options there with george uh i do like george personally just because i think he can make like stupid comps that other people can't deal with right so uh, a couple of times i'll make like um beast macaw comp with george divine shield everything and it's just like yeah well you know you thought beasts were annoying before <laughs> have a golden you know have a hydra cleave with divine shield like, right? like but how do you get a golden if you never go past tier four that's what george does right just stays on four yeah well you're talking to me <laughs> uh, oh it's fine boy. yeah no, every, I mean, every comp's a tier six comp uh, you can you, you can hit right you can hit on george and then you're just like oh okay i just have a good triple and i can just take a six you can just take the eliza you can just take the goldwyn you can just take the cali yeah. And then suddenly it's like, wow! I can divine shield all my dragons, and then Nadina redivine. I, I, I was <laughs> I was gonna mention that right. You're there, gonna get Nina. to there. Sorry, it's all your thunder. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I ever have a Caligos with divine shield before the Nadina? Like that's it's pretty good. So uh, there are definitely some things with George, right? Like even though he has a hero power, you don't have to utilize it, right? There are some heroes that can uh, get get you know get a 
tier six discovery even without hero powers or there's some players maybe not heroes but there's some players that can get tier six discovered without a hero power and if you can do that you could really make you can really make the hero power work for you right get those annoying comms and then just add divine shield to them and just just make it hurt so uh i do like that about george just like he can create some comps you can, you can just never see and just be like how the hell do you even get through this <laughs> <laughs> so I I think it's pretty fun in that avenue personally. All right. All right. Looks like we're done here. We'll move on to our next topic of the day. What is reform curves, right? I, I think um we talk about reform curve a lot just generally, right? But we don't we haven't actually spent some time clarifying what is reform curve, right? How do you do it? And why do people, you know, call it reform? What shouldn't it be called something else? Curve, you know, personally. But I, I, I think reform um, was the hero that really popularized it. I don't think it was the hero that did it first. Uh, to be fair, uh, I should know the hero. Uh, actually, I really should. Right? I should have, like looked it up, but <laughs> I couldn't be bothered. Anyways, but. Uh, it was the hero that a lot of people started uh, realizing, oh, I don't have to level on to every single time with every hero and, and to win, right? Like that used to be the only meta, uh, especially when things started out, right? It was like you you buy something, you level on two, and then you buy two things on three, hopefully, and then, you know, you go from there, right? You um, On seven gold, you level. On nine gold, you level, right? That, that was the standard. Almost every hero would do that. Uh, until, I mean, there were some other heroes like dabbling with not doing that, but every hero like had that in their wheelhouse, right? Until reform started coming up and people were like, I really want a hero power with this, with this hero. That was like the main, uh, thought process. Like I really want a hero power with this hero, but if I do the regular curve, I can't do that. Right. It, it takes a little too long and it doesn't feel as good if I don't, right? I want to take my opponent's minions. How do I do that? You know, like. People want to steal <laughs> and, and they figure out, you know what, what if we, what if we don't level? What if we just hero power return, no matter what, who cares about leveling? And, uh, people started trying that. People realized, oh, that actually, that actually works pretty well with this hero. Since their hero power is giving you a minion, you're not actually losing, uh, so much, right? The fear initially was that not getting two drops was too bad for your your health right if you don't get a two uh you don't get a spawn particularly and things like that you're gonna lose to everyone else right so that was really what was uh, holding people back and in, in, uh experimenting with this but with reform a lot of people are like i'll just take my opponent's spawns that that fixes my solution i'll just take the opponent's spawns and we're good to go and that actually did work for a while now nowadays people are like really don't want to give you spawns and sometimes you know especially higher up they'll find all the other ways they can, <laughs> they can do to make sure you don't get a spawn but uh initially right people didn't know or you know how to play around this so they just put the spawns in front and you, you just have like easy golden um uh spawns with red reform and it really it really worked out a lot so um you know it, it's it's due to that uh experience a lot of people really uh attribute the curve of staying on one a little bit longer uh to reform and i'm just talking about the history i haven't talked about the technical stuff because you know that's shady's wheelhouse so uh, yeah I'll, I'll let him uh get on to that what yeah. is reform curve 
before we get into like the technical, it was like when he when he came out, times where you would just like, oh, somebody wanted to bump my shield off with their light thing. How convenient! <laughs> <laughs> Those that things happen, happen a yeah, lot more. Like, oh, a brand, a nice little bumper brand. <laughs> so yeah, for that, sure. That that was... is, you you yeah. do bring up something, right? Like, um, Golden Amagodon used to be super. Like that was when Amagons were three, four. Still, that was very, very common. Common people would have two Divine Shield Amagodons. Right, so you I'm always knew. Oh, I'm gonna fight a divine shield Magadon. Everybody's board has it, so I have to put a bumper in front. Oh, what's my weakest minion? Oh, it's Light Fang and Brand. Oh, here you go, Rafam. Have a Brand. Have a Light Fang. Da 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 da. Have a Magadon. Whatever. We don't care. <laughs> it was very, uh, very common. Yeah, back in the day to just get random <laughs> brands. Nowadays, you do get them, but you need a cleave first so you can cleave uh, you know that that's the way to do it but yeah um, they got it as the, that's the bumper yeah and then this might be a little like technical thing but you steal the if, if let's say two things die at the same time you steal the leftmost minion so let's say they have a taunt that you cleave and kill if you kill their brand at the same time which is to the left of the taunts because your taunts on the far right you steal the brand instead of the taunt you killed might be a bit weird, but that's the rule. So, all right. Well, the technical aspect, it's um, it's a very like specific. You have some variations, but we'll go with the the vast majority of the time you'll be using this curve. Um, three gold, you will just buy a thing. Now, if that thing is a token, you can get a little, you know, spicy, <laughs> and you can sell a token in hero power anyway. Now, don't do this with an alley cat because an alley cat isn't going to kill anything most of the time. But a 2 1 tide hunter or a Selemental has actually a fairly good chance of stealing something. So that's already a little bit of a deviation. If you get either tide hunter or Selemental, I like to sell it and hero power. I think the chance of success is pretty high, especially because it does kill Acolyte of Cthulhu in the first half. And all you got to do is kill the first half, you don't have to kill the whole thing to steal it. So then turn two, very straightforward. We're going to buy something from the shop and we're going to hero power. Turn three, unless you have a lot of tokens in the shop, you just either buy one, roll one, or roll one, buy one. Um, that roll is quite good because what, what is the goal of a reform curve? Reform curve tries to collect pairs of one drops so wow. that you can steal uh, one drops from the opponents or you can find a triple in the shop. Then on six gold is going to be the first time where we level because the level is going to cost two gold. It's going to cost three gold to buy a minion, one gold to hero power. Seven gold, it's going to cost six gold to level, one gold to hero power. And then I do think the standard right now is on eight gold to also level for seven gold and then hero power for one gold. And then if things have gone well for you, a lot of the time, either on that turn or the turn after that, you discover a five top from a triple. Or, or six i'm just good at this <laughs> sure sure that, that, that's a whole other thing yeah, so that's other thing. For, for me if you are strong you can extend the curve by one more turn where you say oh you know what on nine gold we could also uh hero power level and then we can get six drops uh, now there is there is a bit of a variation like a faster curve can happen where you level on five gold and on six gold instead of on six gold and on seven gold why is that how can that happen uh, let's say you get swabby let's say you get two swabbies a lot of the time 
the curve works that way because the gold makes sense. If you play a swabby, suddenly the gold doesn't necessarily make sense anymore. It means that if you play a swabby on six gold or on five gold, sorry, suddenly you can level and still uh, hero power. I think you need to sell a token as well or so. Anyways, like if you have excess gold and you have swabby and a token, you can still get the level and the hero power. And then the turn after that, you can do the same thing if you have another token or a swabby. Uh, now, what I like to do, I don't actually love that fast curve. I only like it when I already have a triple. And that almost only happens when you have Selemental. Yeah. Because Selemental is a triple, you can just bank. You can have two of the Selementals, uh, or sorry, two of the droplets and one of the regular Selemental. And then it's really nice, the fast level, because you are guaranteed to triple anyway. Now, why would someone want to stay on tier one a bit longer? It's to find that pair. One pair that works wonders for me is Acolyte of Cthune, because what's the first thing you kill on your opponent's board? Probably an Acolyte of Cthune if they have it, because it's a small taunt. So you have to attack it, and if you attack it, you probably kill it. <clears throat> so that's one of my favorite pairs to have. Like If I have two Acolyte of Cthunes, by the time I'm on five or six gold, I'm usually quite happy, because at some point, someone's going to have that on their board, and I'm going to Fair enough. I, I was gonna mention the Selemental, but you covered it anyways, right? So the what the I I guess the two common reasons for a fast leveling for me would be the Selemental and the Swabby, right? If you get two Swabbies, right, then you have a ton of extra gold. And if you have Selemental or or triple Selemental pair already, then you don't you don't have to worry about getting that triple because you already have it on your board. So you you're just like okay, I can just level, take a little bit extra damage, but get my tavern five or tavern six when you turn early. That's pretty good, especially if you you know you find some direction you can just scale it crazy from there, right? Being a turn ahead of people is just so strong that that should be a topic uh, for another day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I, I I'm actually gonna write that down. But yeah, I, um, that's just uh, something to keep in mind. So uh it it is nice um just just in general but generally the standard is to uh stay on one a little bit longer so that you can have a clean level right the the goal isn't necessarily to get pairs but to get triples that's always the goal in terms of getting an early start right you get the triple uh but if you stay on one earlier right you're only rolling until it's one drop so the chance of getting a pair the chance of getting a triple is significantly higher especially if you're getting the um the one drops people tend to give you with reform right there's a couple of one drops people tend to give you uh taunt taunt one drops are really really popular because they're forced into it and then also uh weak token minions right so sometimes people play if they have a spawn they'll play around your reform by putting like a, a murloc uh, token in front or, or a beast token in front right but if you know they're gonna do that right you you just run to murloc tokens early and see if they'll give you that third one trying to outplay you you outplay them by you know by uh feeding on their tendencies like that so I, i've had that happen a couple of times where people think they're outplaying me but i'm actually outplaying them you know and things like that so um it, it's 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 nice to be able to have those pairs that you can work on and staying staying tavern one a little bit longer allows gives you the higher chance to get those uh, pairs that you want and the triples that you need so uh it it's a very useful curve so another thing i want to mention right we call it a farm curve right but reform's not the only hero that uses this curve right just the one that popularized it but not the only one there's a lot of uh powerful heroes in the game that have really um adapted to this curve and and 
it becomes a mainstay right uh, for them my ev is probably the one that jumps out at you like oh yeah my ev is really utilizing it any any hero with um a, a good one cost ability right like instead of telling you all the heroes that do it right i think it's it's better to recognize why they do reform curve right they they do reform curve because they want to utilize their hero power early and it it pays off if you utilize it well right Maev, you get a minion reform you get a minion boulevard right you get two gold if you use your hero power and you Arrow. guess correctly yeah. Right. Barrow like, isn't necessarily reform curve. He just likes to stay on one, but a little bit longer. When, when you're playing Barrow, you don't have to follow the reform curve where you level on six and level on seven. You can, right? If the money, right. but if you're successful in your bets, especially if you were able to bet turn one with a token, a lot of the time you're going to go up earlier than six yeah. golds because you want to just speed level. Yeah. But the, the reasons why is because you want to use that one cost hero early. Yeah. For sure. Like that. For sure. Uh, some for sure. people go, uh, Akazam Zerak, Seeker Guy, we're from Curve because they want competitive spirit. I know Shady, you're like, ah, what do they do? <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, they... I get micro mummies, I'm down for yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they, like, they like competitive spirit. I like it too, so I can understand why they do it. But um, they it's because they want to utilize that one cost spell, uh, one cost hero power early. So if you, see a, if you see like a new hero with a good one cost, uh you know good one costs <laughs> you know don't look at all the new heroes be like oh it has a one cost <laughs> reform baby no good one cost hero uh that's really when you want to take a look at oh can can they really utilize uh staying on one early and is there is the drawback of not getting uh to tier four early is that is that worth using your hero power every turn well tier four is fine oh you're, tier you're two on, early like you can't shop right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mukla is another one. That yeah, Mukla is another one. Exactly. Mukla feels okay right now, actually. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of the time when I play, I'm like, oh, feels like a taunt comp hero, though. Like it's just, okay, well, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to arrive on tier four and hopefully I'm going to be able to just get Arm of the Empire and get Champion of Usher. So, uh, those, those are uh, like the main things you want to keep in mind when you're playing. Uh, Good tier, I mean, good one cost hero power heroes, Rafan being the, you know, the standard. But there's a lot of them in the game right now, so uh, just keep that in mind. If you've never done Rafan Curve, right, you want definitely want to try it. I think um, if you're new and you haven't really uh, played too many heroes, right, this might be foreign to you, but it definitely works a lot. And sometimes you'll see people staying on one. This is usually why people stay on one. There are some other reasons why people stay on one, right? Maybe they find uh like a really good demon star and they're like i'm just gonna invest in this right so it's not the only reason but i think this is probably the main reason why you see people uh not on two turn two is because they're probably doing some version of reform curve in in, in its capacity so i definitely wanted to uh talk about it in a standard way for the people that aren't familiar right so they're like oh they always talk about reform curve what is that you know this is uh what it is so I hope you enjoyed that. Anything else with this topic? That's all I got as well. Uh, well. I guess I guess a small little thing, well, that's maybe a bit advanced for anyone that cares. Um, what I've been having a lot of success with both Rafam and Maev is when I have spare gold, like I have a free reroll from the elemental, or I have an extra Murloc token lying around, uh, something I've been really liking, if I don't have a triple or if I have a ton of pairs, I like just, let's say the shop gets offered and 
none of the minions are ones that you already have or there are no triples. What I like to do is just, you know, sell the token, roll, and just get another shop on tier one because I feel like your rolls are the most efficient on tier one when you're playing these heroes. I'm still working on that. Right now I have great results with it because it just greatly increases the consistency because one of the most frustrating things when you're playing my Eva Reform, right, you might listen to this like, okay, I'm going to try. Where's the part where I get the triple? I didn't get the triple. <laughs> How did this hero work? Okay to buy for a six right now. There's no triple. What's going on? And and you fix that problem a lot when you say, Oh, I have one extra roll here and the shop is just not good. I'm just gonna roll one more time. And you'd be surprised how often that next shop is just a lot better than the one you just had. Because there's just not that many tier one minions and you get three new ones every time. So mathematically, you've got a pretty good shot at improving your shops in between. And um, you can even go further where there's only one good minion you like, but you have, say, two extra gold. And, and you learn when you have extra gold when you play these heroes a lot because you know what you need to do, right? You know that you need to level for um, six gold on seven. You need to know that you level for five gold on six. And sometimes you just have extra tokens where you're like, well, these are just excess minions. They don't really do that much for me. I'm just going to sell that one one in row because I think I'm going to get a much better shop then you know a lot of the time it's the two one demon you're like ah oh, do i really do i really want a hero power that does a lot of the time the answer for me is no so i'm looking do i have an extra sure okay i'll just sell this thing roll and oh look a triple you'd be surprised how often that often happens yeah you you've reminded me of a couple of games where i'm on tavern five and i have three triples ready three to pairs. go two pairs oh, three pairs ready uh, to pairs, go man. You know, and I'm just like, all right, just give me, you know, a Celemental. I've got 10 gold here, you know. <laughs> give me a Slavia, a Celemental, a Murloc, Tidehunter, anything. I'm ready to go, you know, roll one, nothing. Oh okay, you know, I still got nine gold, roll one. Okay, okay, a little, little bit, a little starting to worry now, you know. But I'm going to roll, you know, roll again, okay. I've got this meme in mind now where you're just sitting there like, where Kelly goes. <laughs> I made it to tier five where Kelly goes. You know, I'm just, I'm just rolling down, you know, the sweat, you know, fully pouring, you know, the tears starting to form because I know the game's over now. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to be a little bit careful. You, you know, just got to make sure that you have a contingency plan if you don't have a guaranteed triple with the Maev or the Rafam or whatever. You know, make sure that you just don't be like, all right, I've got 10 gold nothing i'm dead right like because that that will happen to people especially if they're new um they they set up everything right but then they don't hit the triple right and and i, and I think um that's one of the reasons why um these heroes can be risky i i know um before Maev had the highest win rate and highest eight place rate but you know it, between like the top like top 10 heroes had the highest win and lose rate because people will, will do the initial parts, you know, very well. They have the pairs and then they don't hit the triple. They don't, and then they don't know what to do, right? Like, oh, Collins and Shay didn't mention what to do if we don't hit triples. Oh, I guess I'll just lose, you know, that kind of thing. Segue in the next topic. Yeah, the that's way. the next, uh, next week. <laughs> like, what do we do? Right? No, no, no. The next one on the list, right? Like, oh, oh, yeah. For when sure. I'm playing these heroes, like that's that's part of the emergency plan. Like, let's say everything does go wrong. If you're ready to move to the next topic, 
Yeah, I, I, I guess that is something we should mention. Like that is an actual topic that we could. Speak yeah, about. right. It's just yeah. something you go. So right now in this meta, I'm a huge. I mean, not just me, right? A lot of people are huge fans of tier four. It just feels like tier four is very strong. And if you're playing one of these reform curve heroes, I don't like pushing to tier five for the six drop, especially if you don't have it yet, right? So right. if you just have pairs, you don't just go to five and be like, all right. Turn we roll for the Caligos boys, well, right? I mean, unless you're yeah, okay. <laughs> Collins will do whatever Collins wants to do. Um, but us mortals, we should not attempt that. Right? That's not gonna. It's not gonna work out well. So <clears throat> for me, the um, what I like to do on tier four when I've got the reform curve heroes and I haven't hit, you still have probably two pairs, right? If you haven't hit a triple, you have two pairs ready, and then I just roll on tier four where. Either you still hit and you discover a five, or you take your high tempo fours, right? Just good four drops, things like an egg, things like a harbinger. I'd... And then you salvage this, oh, I'm going to go straight to eighth because I have a bunch of tier one minions and I'm not tripling them into fives or sixes into a, oh, I can maybe actually sneak a top four where even though I'm a high profile hero, I'm supposed to be getting allies. Caligos, uh, you know, it's, it, all, it all happens to us once in a while where you just don't hit. Uh, you don't have to take an 8th or a 7th. You can just be a tier 4 comp. You can just play taunt. You can just play mix. So for, for me, it's, it's, it's been very safe. It's been something I really like. I like being on tier 4, and then either I'm going to hit my pairs or I'm going to play heavy tempo. But regardless, you should not be getting, you know, your 8th or your 7th. Maybe if you just don't hit anything, right? It can always still happen. But the chance of that happening when you're rolling for these units on tier four is a lot lower than the chance of that happening when you're going up to five and you're just praying like, oh, please just give me a brand in the battle map shop, otherwise I'm screwed. Yeah. As you can tell from uh, Shady's monologue there uh, and from our next topic <laughs> coming up, you can really tell that Shady likes or, you know, loves tier four. So I want to mention... Sometimes, you know, doing these topics, you know, really, really a lot of effort, you know. So, but sometimes Shady gives me a little juice, a little, you know, a, something to work with. And I get to, I get my creative juices. <laughs> I heard he wanted this. I was like, say no more, say no more. I got, I got the perfect image for you. <laughs> I didn't do this before the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah. So, so if you're listening it, it's worth watching. <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely. Um, there have been a lot of players talking about how um, tier four is pretty like a good safety net right now. Where uh, if things don't work out for you, there's a lot you can do on tier four. Right? It didn't always used to be the case where um, you go to tier four and you're just like, what, what, what comp can I make on this tier four? What, but the introduction of champion, the introduction of arm, the introduction of of um, taunts and mechs are still in there, right? You can really just stabilize on four, especially if you don't have like random pairs or, or things, right? Let's say you get to tier four. There's no pairs, no triple potential. You have no direction. You're you're taking a little bit of damage. So you can't just level and, and survive, right? You can stay on tier four and definitely do, um, do some work. You could always do that, but I think it's gotten better now with a lot of the options that are available on tier four too. Um, to, to stabilize and keep you in the game, at least, uh, you know, the top four uh, for you. So, you know, I, I think it's fun. I, I, I do think this is more about, you know, Shady and his love, right? I'm a tier fiver, you know. 
<laughs> but you know, Shady does have a lot of points to make for for sticking out to for. Yeah. So we talked about what happens with the reform curve, but the the vast majority of the heroes do not follow the reform curve. So what would be a typical? Um, I guess I guess we can sort of recreate a game and see uh, what happens. Most of the time, you're going to be leveling to tier three on seven gold, where you buy a unit and then you um, you level up for the remaining four gold. Then on eight gold, you sort of get your first real decision of the game. What do I do now? Right, eight gold. We used to say that's where the game starts. You get to really just hmm, do I level for seven gold and use a hero power or something like that, or do I just roll a bit? <clears throat> if you're in a comfortable position, you probably just push from uh, tier three to tier four on eight gold. So if you're in a strong position, let's say you're a Lich King with a spawn and you can reborn the spawn, that's usually good enough for just to say, okay, I'm gonna go from tier three straight to tier four on uh, eight gold. If you're not in a good spot, it's usually fine to just you know buy a minion or two on tier three and then just level up on. I really like to set up pairs and then similar to what you do with the Rafam or the Maiev, you have, say, a spawn pair, you have a glyphed guardian pair, you have an imprisoner pair, whatever it is, functional pairs are best. So not an alley cat pair, because you don't really want to keep two alley cats on your board for a very long time. Two spawns, however, you can keep them on your board for you know, several turns. Those are not bad cards. So if you have a functional pair on your board, you start rolling on tier four, and then there is still the option, oh, I hit and I discovered a brand. Hey. Let's play. Let's do some menagerie. Let's play for number one. Eventually, you, you are going to go to tier five, maybe the turn after that, maybe two turns after that, depending on how comfortable you are. Same thing. I Hey, I hit a light fang for my triple. Life is good. But I'm all about what happens when you don't do that. Because anyone, well, not anyone, right? But most people can take a game as like, oh, I have this triple, I have this brand, life is good, I'm buffing, right? So we play those games, and we usually play them well. But... I am really interested in what happens when you get unlucky or you know you just don't hit <clears throat> because I think there's a lot of MMR to be salvaged there. So I think a lot of my gains come from not bottoming out. And now because of that more conservative playstyle, I do recognize that some games where more aggressive players could have taken a first, <clears throat> I end up taking a third because I wasn't ballsy enough. I didn't just go for you know two six drops or something like that. But a lot of the time, those aggressive players are going to lose a lot of points on games that were very aggressive and it didn't work. So let's say you're on tier four and you don't hit those pairs. You can play a number of compositions. Juggler, I think, is incredibly underrated. People always just, you know, shit on Juggler. Sorry to put it like that. Say, oh, why are you playing demons? Demons, demons can't win. Demons are good. Now you can win with Juggler, but it's definitely not the main point. The main point of Juggler is to just, oh, you know, I didn't get that triple into Bran. I didn't get that triple into Lightfang. I don't get the two Hoggers. Um, how do I not bottom out here? Do I not get, how do I not get a seven or eight? It's totally fine to spam Juggler on tier four, where you're just looking for Imp Matron. You're looking for Imprisoner. You're looking for Juggler, obviously. Um, that's why I do like to take Imprisoner as an early minion, because it just opens up the Juggler route. So that's that's a that's a great just tempo play if you don't hit your triples. Another one is I can just play mech. So this is your standard. I'm gonna have deflectos. I'm gonna play metal tooth leapers to buff the deflectos. 
Preferably, I'm going to get an egg with a module on it for a guaranteed taunt reset. And you can take that to top four as well. Then there is the standard taunt comp that involves Arm of the Empire, Argus on Divine Shields, and then hopefully a Champion of Yashraj, where you just have your taunted Divine Shield minions farm a bunch of attack with Arm of the Empire. Your Champion in the back is farming up a ton of stats because your taunts are getting attacked the whole time. And once again, you can quite comfortably take that to tier four because while you are in that tier four, uh, let's call it just a tempo composition, you're not aimed at scaling that much. You're just more of a tempo composition. You have the other people that are trying to scale. Some of them will succeed and some of them won't. So the people that succeed with their like more aggressive play where they scale are going to start killing the people that missed because they're just going to take you know 20 plus damage because they have a bunch of weaker pairs that didn't triple. And you're going to be able to survive one of Hits, which really plays into the game plan of, oh, you know, I can fight a high roller, but because I have tempo units on the board, I'm not going to beat them, but I'm also not going to take 20 damage. And that is usually enough for you to um, secure a top four spot. All you got to do is be alive long enough because the, the people that are trying to hit and they failed, they're going to die fast enough. And because you weren't greedy pushing tier five and just said, all right, Bring me the brands, bring me the life fangs, let's go. You didn't waste that entire turn. You started buying tempo pieces already, and now you're suddenly totally fine. So I guess it's those main compositions where I'm playing taunt, comp, mechs, juggler. But I do like to start off with some pairs. It's not like I'm by default in mindset. I do like to have pairs, and I do like to take my shot. And if I'm in a pretty good spot, and the money allows for it, you can take that first pair into a six drop as well, where you just, let's say, you know, you arrive on tier four and going up is seven gold, buying the minion is three gold, then it's silly to not just take your shot, right? If you, if you have the health, if you're strong enough, you just say, okay, I'm just gonna level up, grab my triple, you know, see if I hit the Eliza, see if I hit the Caligos. Yeah. I know that's quite the rant, sorry, but you know, I mean, that's the whole, tier four thing i have yeah there's a lot of good parts there and just like making sure you you stabilize right when you don't get like the super lucky starts or tier four can really help you stabilize so that uh you do bring up a good point especially in ranked where if you if you're high rated and you lose a game in eighth right you lose way more than you get for first place right sometimes it takes like two firsts maybe two and a half firsts Usually it's like two firsts to, to counteract one eighth. So if you can uh, in, improve your gameplay where you reduce the number of eights uh, without like changing your number of firsts or seconds or things like that, that will significantly increase your MMR versus let's say you get like, you know, 20, 30% more firsts, but you also get like 10% more eights. You'll, you know, it's, it, it, it won't, it will it won't counteract like it won't balance out you'll still be losing more mmr than the guy who is not getting eighth and getting and keeping his uh his placements the same so just being able to prevent uh big losses big big bad placements is 
a much better of a game plan in terms of climbing MMR than just getting first place. In terms of tournaments, that might not be true, right? So that's another interesting thing where in tournaments, getting first is really the the way to go. And you know, if you even if you're getting like fourth or third every game, like you're not gonna win the tournament like that, right? Where if you're getting first and 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 uh, not doing horrible, the, all the other games, right? That that that's good enough to win you the the tournament. So. Um, it's a different mentality when it comes to like uh, formal tournaments and stuff like that. But in terms of ranked play, especially high MMR, reducing your number of eights is really the way to play if you want to have a maintain a high rating. So I, I do think uh, tier four is one of the ways to do that. And uh, there's a lot of good points uh, that Shady mentioned there. Uh, I may um. I may do something similar next week, you know, talk about, you know, a little bit higher tower tier, so, or, or my thoughts, or maybe um, recovering if you don't um, get the six you want or something like that, right? That's, that's, yeah. That seems like more like my... So that should be fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> my and type of wanna, like, gameplay. So. I want to make it clear that it's not like you never play for the win, right? right. I think a lot of it is also hero dependent. I, I do think that these reform curvers are great right if you have your maev or your um they are great to just shoot your shot at a six drop or a five drop if you have the health to manage a six drop i guess the the mentality for the climbing means that okay i'm gonna patiently wait my turn to get one of these strong heroes and then i'm really gonna try to make it happen to get first and then if i hit one of the weaker heroes i'm definitely gonna have that tier four mentality in mind because a lot of players they try to win the game on every hero, and I think it's okay to um, set yourself up a little bit, but you shouldn't chase it that hard if it's not happening if you already have a weaker hero. I think tier four is is more than ever your friend in those cases. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, I, I think um, it, it's just a good thing to keep in mind when you're playing just to make sure that you get the right uh, mentalities in your game. So these are just little tools you can use to... Uh, improve your gameplay right you don't have to force fours every time or you don't have to force sixes every time but if you know when to do fours when to do sixes that will help you uh, be a better player to identify right situations and utilize it when necessary so moving on to our next topic uh you know reusing the the heart asset from the last time you know i <laughs> do that we're talking about pirate scam what is it why do people play it how good is it things like that um generally uh i would say i learned well i would say i really learned this uh calm from shady uh you know but now you know everyone is like oh colin's pirate scammer and i'm just like no that's not me i mean it is me but <laughs> shady really uh drilled the the fundamentals uh for me so i definitely have to give him credit for that but it's it's a comp that um if done correctly, can really beat most uh, most opposition that don't know exactly how to counter it. It's one of those comps you see and, and you look at it and you're like, does this? How does this work? Is the first question, and then the second question is, is there a counter? I don't see it in my head. <laughs> like, you look at it and it's like, okay, so you're summoning what 50, 50, 50 immediate attackers. How many are you summoning? Twelve of those. Oh. How, how do I deal with this? I, I don't you know what the counter is, but there definitely are counters uh, But what, that we'll probably talk into uh, later on. But generally, it's a comp that relies on utilizing the 
uh, ability of Eliza buffing your board with the ability of Scallywag that summons a minion that attacks immediately, immediately being a very key keyword. It's not a keyword, but it should be. It should have bold, right? <laughs> uh, immediate means that uh, it triggers first before every other ability of every other um, function in the game, every other step in the chain immediately will trigger first. So since it attacks immediately, it'll attack first, then everything else resolves. The only way to break that is if you have something else, if it attacks with something else that has an immediate attack, uh, the only one in the game being the 2-6 taunt. So that's really the only thing, if you attack into that, that thing can attack back. But other than that, um, there's not really a lot of uh, things that will go before or uh, the immediate attack first. So you're relying on Scalawag for attacks using Eliza buffing, and then you're utilizing Baron and Cadgar to summon significantly more copies than should be available, honestly. But uh, that's kind of the game plan. So it's a death battle, right? So Baron will... Uh, create another instance of that death rattle effect and then Cadgar summons another copy of things that you get summoned on your board right so when you have one scallywag and you have an empty space Cadgar will summon another scallywag for you uh, so utilizing that with Eliza Baron all together I can create a really obnoxious comp that uh, can catch people off guard especially if they haven't seen it before I think if you've played a little while, you've at least seen it once or twice nowadays, but uh, definitely before it wasn't as popular, but it is a really powerful comp. Requires just a couple key pieces, but can win win lobbies, win tournaments. So uh, really good, uh, really good composition. Unfortunately, you know, I, I, I wasn't like a big fan of it initially, but now I understand uh, it's part of the game. They haven't really changed it. I thought they were, I thought of them. The Cadgar change was going to nerf this composition uh, when when they revealed it. So I was very surprised when it didn't do anything. I was like, what? They didn't touch this at all. I thought that's what they were touching. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I understood that the uh, the the like the 50 triples was a little uh, uh, ridiculous at times. But I also thought they were uh, nerfing this comp as well, but they didn't. So uh, what can you do? I actually had a successful transition earlier today. It was crazy. I was like, wow, this this still happens, huh? Like I had a Mama Bear, a Cadgar, and a Brands. Cool. You can still do this if you yeah. hit Alley Cats. <laughs> that was a good time. All right. So uh Pirate Scam. Uh, let's just start with the basics, right? So the preferred board state you're going to have is you're working towards two scallywags. One Eliza, one Baron, two Cadgars. Now, you, there are variations to this where you have Golden Cadgar or just Golden Cadgar, more Cadgar. But this is going to be the most achievable one to get for the you know for most of your games. Now, if you keep rolling and you get two Golden Cadgars, you get Golden. I mean, great, you know, go for it. But your most uh, your most reasonable board to aim for two Scallywags. Baron, Eliza, two Cadgars. You might say, wait, that's only six minions. Why are we only playing six minions? Cadgar doesn't trigger if something dies when your board is full. So we'll cover that later on. That's one of the ways you can counter the pirates camp comp is to try and make sure that, you know, the sky pirates don't die, which means the board is full, which means Cadgar stops working. So <clears throat> 
you don't really do this comp unless you have an alliance. That would be the first thing I say. Uh, back when you know I played this comp a lot with Collins, pretty much no matter what we had on our board at the time, I was like, oh, well, and Eliza, hey. <laughs> it, it, is pretty, it is pretty easy to force because all you need to get it started is I have an Eliza, I have an Escaliwag. That is not the same as some other compositions that don't really work until you have uh, more pieces together. Eliza plus Scallywag is just already strong. If you look at it, the Scallywag is going to give your Eliza two triggers. Eliza has her own trigger. That's three triggers from Eliza, your entire board, plus six, plus three. That's good, right? Especially if you got a Divine Shield on the board. Uh, and then it doesn't take long, usually. Either another Scallywag, or you hit a Baron, and then suddenly you get more spawns. Um, you can do the math quite easily on the uh, Scallywags, how many you're going to get. If you have the regular Death Rattle, it says spawn one. If you have a regular Baron, you now have two. If you have Cadgar, Cadgar says twice as many, you now have four. If you have another Cadgar, if you have another Cadgar it says twice as many again, you're going to get eight, and so on and so on. Uh, it's also a small little thing why two Cadgars is better than one Golden Cadgar. Golden Cadgar is times three. Two regular Cadgars is times two times two. That's times four. It's a bit of a weird thing. I don't think you know two Cadgars should be better than a Golden Cadgar, but I don't immediately see how they would solve that issue right without significantly changing the card. Now, that doesn't mean you're never going to go Cadgar, but if you are very if you think you're not really that strong and you could lose by goldening the Cadgar, sometimes you might just wait a turn. But ideally, you do golden the Cadgar. Hey, the only way to get two golden Cadgars is to start by getting one golden Cadgar. And once you have one golden Cadgar and you add another one, it's great. Right? Uh, so this is, I guess this is a composition where we talked about faces at the start of the podcast. Faces is just amazing for this because there are so very few minions you're looking for. In, in essence, you're only looking for two Scallies, which you usually get quite easily. Your Eliza, which you should already have, because the only reason you're playing this comp is because you tripled into an Eliza. And then we're really just talking about Cadgar and Baron. So if there's only two cards you want, introducing a third one in the shop is amazing. So Faces is just pretty much a must-buy for this comp. And Unless you're under a lot of pressure, you don't waste it getting another Kellywag. You don't waste it on anything else but the uh, the Baron and the Cadgar. I guess some some small things is how do I make sure nothing gets sniped? This is a specific positioning thing, but you do want to taunt both Skellies. There there is some debate or some you know some some people say oh don't taunt both Skellies that's bad for Cleave. Uh, but what happens when you only taunt one Skelly? If your opponent has a Wind Fury minion, he's going to attack your Skelly. And then after that, before your second Skellywag gets to attack, after all your Sky Pirates have done their thing, it's still their turn. You know, you might forget about that, but that Wind Fury minion is the second time. That Wind Fury minion could hit a Baron, could hit your Cadgar, could hit your Eliza. Suddenly your combo is ruined. So by taunting both Skellywags, you are protected against the Wind Fury minion. That's the reason if you know some people might not might not know that. Um, and then the other one is, well, what if they have cleave? They're gonna snipe a key minion. You can move your baron right next to the scallywags, and because the scallywags die at the same time the baron does, because they all get cleaved, the baron effects still count. 
So that is much more preferable than a Wind Fury minion sniping one of your key pieces. Yes, I I do agree. Uh, uh, so uh, the 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 comp is is particularly annoying. I honestly, in in my opinion, just because uh, it requires one key piece, and then the other pieces are realistically uh findable you can get scallywag pretty easily you can get cadgar pretty easily baron sometimes eludes you since the tier five so it might take a while but you just need one really uh, and then you can go and a lot of times if you start if you um if you get the early eliza you'll be pretty strong that you can afford to like roll down and look for the other pieces uh as long as you you didn't like like uh eliza isn't your only board and especially sometimes you'll triple get the eliza and have a scallywag on the board as well and you're just like hey i can roll like 20 gold down and still be strong and you could really just find those pieces in that turn and you can just get nuts i remember fighting someone it was turn seven and they had the full comp and i was just like yeah okay <laughs> i wasn't comfortable with that you know it was a Yeah, i know what he was doing and i was just like yeah okay good luck you know you won the game i'm happy actually you didn't win actually you didn't win but um, it, 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 it felt wrong. Like, you can really get the, the comp super early. Uh, where and, and once you get the pieces, you're done. You don't need to buff them. You don't need to, um, uh, you know, give them Divine Shield or anything like that. You just get the pieces. You just put them on the ground and you're done. I mean, put them on the, your, your Warband and you're done. Right? It's not, it's not like Brand where you need, to, you need to get the pieces, then buff them. Then make them strong. Then position right. Like, no, you just get the pieces. You put them on your board. And you've won the game, uh, unless your opponent knows you have this board and is playing directly to counter it. But other than those situations, you pretty much guarantee like top four, top three, top two, most of the time. So it, it just like if if you are very comfortable with this comp and you know exactly how to transition and stuff like that, you can you can really bust people, and that's what makes it really good for tournaments because you're you're very comfortable with it and you see you see the opportunity to transition and then you can transition quickly and then your opponents can't really uh find it find a quick answer right the the one issue is like when you win you win hard you're hitting people for 20 because your 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 eliza's alive your baron your cargo's alive your baron's alive right and you're a tavern five most of the time you know so you're hitting people for 20 damage almost every time plus so people fight you and then they die so they don't have a chance to fight you realize what you're doing and then counter right they fight you and you're dead so you just kind of blow people out and then they see oh this guy is just killing people and they're not exactly sure oh, what is he running or oh, maybe you have i mean if you see two pirates and you're hitting people for 30 like well, we're for 20-something, that's when you should know that oh, they, they're probably running this comp. But, but generally, a lot of people aren't um, aren't really attuned to looking at them and realizing, oh, two pirates, it must be this, right? So I think a lot of people that play this comp see it and they know. But if you don't know and you've never seen it, then you're just like, what is he doing? Why is he, why is he killing me? Is it Amalgadons? <laughs> you yeah, know, and, uh, and something. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's just uh, generally a very powerful comp, generally something you want to keep in mind. I do think it's something you need practice with initially because you're going to get... It, it's not It's not very obvious if you've never played this comp. Oh, just put this comp and win. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that... 
it doesn't feel like it makes sense, right? But if you play with it a couple yeah. of times and then you're like, okay, I'm starting to get it, then uh, it's a lot easier to identify, realize how to transition and then go from there. So uh, definitely something you want to see other people do at least once and then see if you could do it yourself and, and find the pieces. I, I do want to mention the key pieces of Eliza. A lot of people, if you have the other three pieces without the Eliza, it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything for you. You're summoning 1-1 one, one. Skellywax. Oh, you're hitting, you know, you're, you're, kill, you're killing that 12... 12 taunt <laughs> essentially it doesn't do anything you really need the eliza to um give you the attack value you need so you can just uh take down the other uh, enemy minions without the eliza i would say don't even look for the comp right so some people will be on tavern five they'll have everything but the eliza and they're like oh it's not working it's because the eliza is the key piece all right i kind of put it I kind of put the cards in order of like importance, right? Eliza is the most important. Then, then Scallywag, right? If you don't have the Scallywag, it doesn't. You don't get the scaling uh, factor. And I think Cadgar is a little bit more important than Baron here because two Cadgars can really um, give you a lot of uh, a lot of the the strength, right? Because you're copying the buffed Scallywags if you have two Cadgars. Uh, whereas Baron, I I I would say the Baron Cadgar debate is more arguable where which one's more important but uh definitely you need the eliza you need the scalawag then the other two pieces you can fill in with time uh so definitely a comp i think people should try and just take a look and see if they like it and see what they want to do and definitely if you're playing tournaments i would look into um if to seeing if pirates are in and then seeing oh it might be a reason to go to for a tavern six right you've got an eliza maybe you can use that to uh win the lobby right because in tournaments right you want to win the lobby you don't really want to like top four and stuff like that so definitely something you want to take a look at especially if pirates are in so i think it's uh it's a good thing oh we haven't talked about countering the comp right we haven't really yeah, discussed I'm, not done yet. I'm still i still want to talk about how to transfer okay you go for it then go 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 no we can talk counters first that's fine Show them how to beat the scam comp. I would say there were no counters for this comp, so just that give up and correct. die. So, <laughs> all right, there we go. End of the episode. No counters to scam. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, ever after. it is Exodia, baby. It just there are no, <laughs> there are no ways oh, to right. do. It. <laughs> all right. I guess the big one is Zap, right? That's yeah. the obvious one. I have this amazing combo, and inside my Baron, my cap. Okay, it stopped working. So zap's the easy one. Put a zap down. You're gonna go first, guaranteed, because the scam well, not guaranteed. You can have a variation on the scam comp where you have a ghoul and then two untaunted scallies. And then you can play seven minions because the ghoul will die and then trigger your scallies. The reason why you don't see this very often is you need to go on Cadgar, Baron will kill your Cadgar. And you know, if you're not if you're new to the comp, that might happen to you. Oh, I think it's cool. Oh, I killed my own Cadgar. Um <clears throat> So, uh, because you go first, because the scam comp has six minions, Zap will just pretty much 100% win the game. Um, another one is small taunts. Acolyte in particular, Acolyte of Cthulhu is phenomenal for this. What you want to do is you want to have a big minion at the start, preferably a cleave, because if you can proc both Scallywags at the same time, you really force them into um, making space for the, um, the Sky Pirates. So let's say you cleave both their Scallywags down and you have two small taunts, especially if they have two Elizas or a Golden Eliza, the Sky Pirates are gonna grow too fast and you're not gonna die when they hit your small taunts. And then once three of them haven't died, 
boom, the board is full, the combo stops. So that's a very specific one where if you can get small taunts to block the um, Sky Pirate from dying, it's great. Now, the tricky thing in that department is a lot of the time you do have one or two big taunts. So then you have to make that judgment call. Is it worth for me to sell my big 50-50 Poison Divine Shield Amalgadon <laughs> and replace it with an Acolyte? Um, so usually you'll just fight them one time and you'll gauge your strength. And if it wasn't close, then the stats on that Amalgadon aren't going to help you if they get to do their combo. So if you can't find the Zap, then the last resort is sell my Amalgadon, put in two Acolytes of Cthune, cleave down their scallies and hope that it's enough. Yeah, I've also seen, um, so just to clarify, uh, taunts really are the way, because you want the scallies to attack and then not die. Because what happens if the, it attacks and not dies? The sky pirates, the, right? Yeah, this, the, the scallies, the, the scallies, scallies are part, yeah. yeah, the scallies you want to die, but you want the, the, the death rattle sky pirates to not die so that they don't, they fill the board and then they don't get to attack and buff again. So uh, usually the way to do that is um, taunts. I've seen in Prisoner, I mean, Void Void Lord work as well. Yeah. Just like since when it dies, it summons uh, one threes. Usually a lot of the time, the, those one threes just just tanks, tanks, tats. I had a game particularly where um, one of my opponents played, I think he played two Void Lords or something. At the back, that was his strategy, and it worked. It, it, I was like, "Oh, it was one Void Lord and something. I don't know if it was another Void Lord or something, or like a, or a, um, an acolyte or something like that." Void Lord, acolyte, or double Void Lord is great. Yeah, because Void Lord is guaranteed two taunts, and if they get through the first one, the second Void Lord, two extra taunts, right? Two Void Lord, two yeah. Void Walkers. So. Yeah, two so, Void, two Void Lords would be the nuts encountering this because there's a very high probability you're going to stop their combo. Yeah, so that's that's something. The 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 scary part with with countering the comp is you you need your other units to still be strong. I think that's yeah. something what people forget uh, when they play against a comp. Right, they'll put the taunts down, but then like I'll have like ten, ten six, uh, uh, sky captains, and they still they're still decently statted, and they end up killing the minion like the opponent anyways. With like you know, like I'm not getting all the buffs, but I apparently didn't need it because the other minions weren't strong enough, right? Yeah, they're always gonna get a few triggers off, right? So the cab guard, Eli, they're gonna be reasonably sized. You're gonna need some minions to clean it up for sure. Yeah. So I remember like um my opponent had like a gigantic battle master and then a bunch of taunts, and that was it. <laughs> and it it worked right like he had like a 200 or, or something plus battle master and a taunt and a bunch of taunts and they're all taunted and i just i couldn't like my my minions are like going into nothing right not dying and then the battle master one shot the rest of the comp and i was just like huh he beat me with one unit <laughs> like, <laughs> it worked you know and it it, it, it works because I like technically this comp relies on you know this the scaling right it doesn't rely on the units so if you can't get the scaling off you don't have units right so a big battle master and a bunch of small taunts can be good enough to to deal with this right but you kind of it just looks weird uh you know unless you've done this before and you're you're 
Yeah, it, it just looks awkward. Like you're you have a battle master and a bunch of two twos, and you're just like, this is gonna win, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, this is this is the way to do it, you know? Like, let me sell my you know my giant amalgadons because I don't need them, you know? I I just need uh I just need my two two or whatever. It, it's just like uh it, it's very weird to to watch people counter this. It's very weird to watch this comp, and it's weird to watch someone correctly counter this comp as well. So I I think um with time people are gonna get better people are gonna get used to it and, and things like that but for now a lot of people um still get caught off guard right the, the amount of comments I see people like I've never seen this comp before it still surprises me uh, whenever I see it being pulled off so uh yeah it's interesting composition there all right I guess the final part of the topic is how do you get to this comp because the way how we described it it may have sounded a little bit too Right, like, oh, just play the Eliza the Scully, the Baron, and the Chat. So easy, right? Uh, you do get, there is this turn where you say, okay, now I'm going to move towards the comp because a lot of the time you're just going to have leftovers from your previous comp and you're going to be playing seven minions. So you have, let's say, that egg with a module on it, which has taunt and it's been preventing your Eliza from getting sniped. You have an Amalgadon if you've been playing well. There's maybe a big battle master on the board, stuff like that. When is the time where you say, okay, time to move towards the comp? It's usually when the Cadgar enters the board, because Cadgar has this condition that you have to be down on six units, or you can be seven units, but then your first Scallywag is only going to get the Baron multiplier and not the Cadgar multiplier. Your second Scally will still do it. So sometimes you do play Cadgar without going on six, but most of the time you don't. It's when you find... The I guess when I have Eliza, two Cadgars, and something to taunt my two Scallywags, that's usually the go sign for me. Like, okay, so either you're high rolling and you have a golden go and you play two Scallies and a ghoul, perfectly fine, that's great. Or you the, the normal way is I found my two Cadgars. I say two Cadgars because a lot of the one Cadgar you have your two Scallies and your eyes, and they're like, Exodia! And it's just like, oh, it's actually not that big. Oh, cool. <laughs> I shouldn't have sold my Divine Shield egg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can get weaker while you're transitioning in this. So I do recommend um, two Cadgars, two Scallies, Eliza, and then obviously Baron is a great bonus. If you get the Baron early, that's a great one to sneak in. Let's say you're you're usually gonna have two Scallies and an Eliza while you're because a lot of the time you're just gonna be hoarding the pieces. You're just gonna have your board and you're just rolling in a shop. And I pretty much just put the blinders on and I'm like, all right, if it's not scam comp, I'm not buying it. Because you do have a limited amount of time to get this together. And you might get baited in, oh, this unit is kind of strong, it can keep me alive for now. This unit is okay. And then you end up wasting too much gold and you don't actually get the scam comp off the ground. So I'm just looking for the pieces we mentioned. And if you hit an early Baron, you can play that because Baron doesn't mind. It's a bit of a weird rule, but Cadgar, you need to have six minions on the board for it to work. Baron, you can have a full board. So it's a lot easier to just replace one unit with Baron than it is to replace two units with two Cadgars and then three. kick a third unit. So three units. Yeah, right. So that's that's the big... That's the big swap turn. And usually it'll be, oh, I can't find the Argus, right? That's the thing where that's preventing you from swapping because you're very vulnerable if you're just going to have 
two Skellies, Eliza, two Chads of Aaron, but the Skellies aren't taunted. So that's that's something that'll hold you back a lot. Or once again, if you have a golden Chad, you can use a ghoul. And then that's the turn where you're like, all right, go time. So a lot of the time, if you're watching a streamer, they'll be rolling it down and then on the rope, it's like you sell this like poison divine shield amalgam. Like, what are they doing? They're gonna oh, okay. And then you see it in action. And it's like, oh, this is actually stronger. So it, it is a really a kind of an all or nothing combo that just becomes that much stronger when all the pieces are on the board. Yes, very, very, very true. Um, I don't know. It's 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 a fun comp. Uh, well, hmm. I mean, I don't know if I want to say that. Um, be here for years to come. Hey. Another thing to keep in mind is if you get this comp correctly, you're not gonna have time to roll down. Uh, usually, right? You'll have like uh 30 seconds or less because there's so many animations to play. So you do want to keep that in mind. Maybe find a way to get, you know, skip the animation. I don't know how, but if, if you find oh, a way, just, you know. Honestly, uh, 30 seconds is plenty. You're like, Baron or Chad, Baron or Chad. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. That's uh, what you're doing. <laughs> or, or, or not. So it is, it is something you just, uh, the, there's so many animations with this that you just have to keep yourself uh in the game or you know skip the animations or whatnot entirely so uh it's just it, it there there are some contingencies with this composition right like if you have a really um a draining computer where you know the animations take super long right you might get this comp and then never get a turn again <laughs> just because the animations take forever but if you win you know it, it's not an issue so um I do think uh, it is something I, I think people should try and, and should uh, definitely see if they like, right? I, I, that's my um, advice on almost all the compositions we talk about. See if you like it. Uh, try it once, see if you like it. If you like it, then, you know, continue doing it, right? Because I think liking the comp is what will drive you to get better at it, right? Where if you like, if you see a comp you don't like and you're just like, ah, man, this is dribble. I'm, you know, I'm... I'm struggling every time. I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. Then, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to master these comps. You know, they're just options. I do think this is a good option, especially in this current meta uh, for winning and tournament play. But, uh, you know, it's not necessary. Right? Like, you, if you've played hundreds of games without playing this comp once, like, you could do hundreds more without playing it. There's no need to be like, oh, they said to play it. I'm going to force myself. Uh, so uh, I just think it's a good comp that, you should look into and see if you like it. If you don't, that is perfectly fine. But yes, we are uh, we are going over. So I think that will be our last topic actually today. It's been a good, uh, been a good talk for sure. It is, has been a really good talk. A lot of interesting discussions. Uh, hopefully, I want to see the new changes personally. Uh, you know, I'm waiting, personally waiting for the patch. I want to see the Quillbore stuff. You know, where are you, Blizzard? I'm waiting for it, you know, but I'm sure you guys are busy working on the fixing yeah, construct. What is constructive? We're fixing on that and, and whatnot. But yeah, uh, that shall be our topics for today. I want to thank everyone for participating, for watching, for listening. I definitely want to thank Shady for being here time in, time out, you know, dealing with me and all that good stuff. You know, it's always... <laughs> always nice to have someone stable you know someone has to be the stable one you know
Got anything? I'm just happy to be here, man. Week after, it's just been uh, it's been fun. And as you notice, I do like to geek out over these specific things, you know, the curves and the order, yada yada. So. You know what I need? I need someone to make the topics for me, or I need to make the topics early. <laughs> it's just like every Thursday, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> Thursday, Colin is Monkasteer. But yeah, I, I that is me actually. <laughs> but yeah, I do I do appreciate everyone watching. I appreciate the comments, appreciate the feedback, uh, the nice statements and stuff like that. I've been getting a lot of um, nice messages. Oh, you know, you like the podcast. I like to hear that. You know, let me let me know. Uh, continue sending uh, questions and feedback to HSBG Podcast at Gmail. I uh, definitely want to read some questions out uh, whenever. And the nice final thing, we are planning on planning, you know, this is insane still, but we're planning on trying to see if we can add a guest on the next week's show. I don't know how I'm going to do the uh, the UI, you know, <laughs> for next week's show. Uh, but I do want to see if I can figure out uh, a three-person uh, discussion here. So definitely tune in for that uh next week hopefully we'll see nothing stands still and maybe next week is the same but we'll, we'll 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 definitely have to see and um you could definitely reach me at you know collins or something somewhere and uh shady bunny at shady or something somewhere you know it's, i'm just gonna skip this because we do it every time you guys should know uh, who we are at this point you know if you don't then that is fascinating and nice to meet you i hope you guys are doing well but yeah that's uh that's going to be our show for today. I think it was a nice one. I think it was a good one. Hopefully next week has some interesting developments that we can all talk about. But yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you guys for joining us. And I will see you guys next week. Have a good one, everyone.